Hey, teammate. Hello, fellow teammate. Should we do something together as a team so that we have a result of, of that work? Yes, perhaps a podcast. Casting pods everywhere? Together. Together. Hello and welcome to Hacking the Grepson, another episode where in the middle of the intro I'm trying to think of a good reference or meme and it just escapes me and instead silence. We're met with silence. <laughs> now, now that I think about it, that intro was making me think of um, Tenacious D. Mm. Uh, I swear they have like, I mean I know they have a friendship song, I don't know if they have a teamwork song, but uh, it definitely comes to mind for some reason. Um, I mean, honestly, when I ever heard the word, the word teamwork, I just think of the Wonder Pets because my daughter was just the right age when that show was on. <laughs> What's going on? I am not aware teamwork. of the Wonder Pets. What, what is? It is the, it is, it's hard to describe. There is a, a duckling, a guinea pig, and a turtle. And they're like sort of live action-y, but I think, but it's more like, it's like, the South Park style animation, but with like live action cutouts instead of construction paper cutouts. Wow, that's uh, that's baffling weird. to try to anyway imagine. But they had a song. Okay. It goes, "What's gonna work? Teamwork. Copyright Wonder Pets." It uh, it it it, it makes the dream work. I've heard. That's what I hear. I believe that's yeah. how the saying goes. Yeah. Um, there's no so I what, in so, team. So what dream? Yeah. There's no I in team and. Uh, Mate team is just an anagram of mate. I don't know. I just thought of that one. Also meat. Also meat. There's a lot. So speaking of which, let's get to the meat of this episode. Uh, what? What? Why do you want to talk about teamwork? What do you know about teamwork? Well, let me tell you, Matthew, Mike. Michael. Um, so I. Uh, I don't know if I trust you, but let's go. I believe that this is the second in what I intended to be a series of uh, Matt talks about how development uh, <laughs> overlaps with improv. <laughs> um, I'm not sure I had a kid the last time we did this. It was a while ago. <laughs> Me either. And she's 14 years old. Uh, no. um, so I had my first improv show uh, since before the pandemic uh, this weekend. And it went really well, um, thankfully. Um, and I credit... Congrats. A, thank you. I credit a large part of that to uh, my team. Um, I've a thing I, I say whenever I'm teaching improv uh, or talking about it in general, why I like it over other forms to perform is that it's, it's a team sport. Uh, you really, you can do improv by yourself, but it's, it's difficult. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, the few times I've seen it, not anywhere near as enjoyable as uh, with a team. Uh, you can do, I mean, a team could be as small as two, uh, like you and I are a team here. Um Mm-hmm. And uh, or it could be really big. You could have an ensemble team uh, if you really wanted to. But it got me thinking about how uh, how important teams are and the different roles people take on in uh, in a team. And I thought mm-hmm. we could talk about how that uh, overlaps with software. What do you think? Yeah, I think that could work. I mean, just for context, my background is. As they as they call them, uh, uh, I've definitely lone wolfed a lot in my in my career as a as a software developer, mainly because like a lot of my early jobs were just like 
in an industry or a department or a section of a job of a company or whatever where most people didn't have a lot of tech ability and so i was the computer person i knew how to make the computer do cool stuff and so uh there wasn't really a team my 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 job now though um is a small team and we all have our different strengths and such and but i would say that even even so there's still a lot of solo development that kind of is done and then brought to the team to look at and you know talk about and then go back to the drawing board or you know they might find bugs or something so well, that's that, that's my experience what about yours oh i think it's that collaboration in particular of like i went mm. off and worked on a thing and i brought it back and now we have to talk about it uh or make it work together yeah. that that's kind of what what clicked in my brain or what what uh what the show made me think about um, when I was reflecting on it, and I was like, "Oh yeah, teams." Um, I have principally worked on teams, like throughout my career. Um, okay, uh, but in a lot of different roles, um, I have frequently ended up as the lead, like the technical lead of a team. Um, thankfully, uh, I've managed to stay technical the whole time and haven't managed a team per se, but I've been basically the manager of of several teams that i've worked with over the years uh in all but name like literally writing their reviews but i didn't get to decide salaries right like that kind of thing mm-hmm. um I, I'm, cu- I'm curious when you were in school and you were in group projects did you often end up being like the person who led the group yeah, never on purpose, and it's also true for work. I don't ever do this on purpose. I just <laughs> things aren't getting done, and someone has to make them happen, and then no one listens to you, and so you do it yourself. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, but just you know, someone's got to drive things, and that that is one of the main roles on a team, right? It's kind of that that someone's got to steer the ship. Someone has to. But someone also has to say where they want to go. And that can be the same person. And I've done plenty of solo development on my own. Mm -hmm. Uh, You are familiar with my uh, award-winning iPhone game, (laughs) Shut the Box. It was not award-winning, but it was in the top ten dice games for a little tiny bit of Shut the Box. That sounds vaguely familiar. I'm not sure if you've mentioned that multiple times before or not. Well, it's because the only thing I've done. Uh, uh, but that was completely solo, um, in graphics and everything. Uh, although was that I, weird, was that like uncomfortable to do compared no, to your, I actually really like working on software projects by myself, but it's the first time I ever really put out, might be one of the only times I ever put out, uh, like a product that I had completely created end to end myself. There were no other mm-hmm. people involved. Um, and I, I don't know that I like that. Um, I'm very good at certain things. And I am not good at a lot of things. Or I struggle with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's been true throughout my career. Um, and learning what my strengths and weaknesses are. And learning how to accept that uh, be, be humble enough to say, I don't know how to do this or I'm not good at this or I don't want to do this because it hurts my brain uh, is hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think is completely opposite of sort of like the, the default personality type that tends to go into engineering. I think we tend to be very confident folks uh, about our intellect. 
not necessarily about anything else in life, but about our intellect. I know this thing. I'm the best at this thing. I'm egotistical, and I will mansplain to you how everything works. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that is very common in our industry. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've also seen that. <laughs> uh, occasionally, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think I, I, I'm. I'm curious though, like. Why do you think that is? Like, why why would that be a more predominant personality? I actually do have a theory about this, um, although I, I don't know that I've ever said it out loud. Uh, I think. Oh well, I'm all ears. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's do it while we're being recorded. How, how could that? How could this? Yeah. Go um, no. I think that this type of job appeals to people who are who tend to be rather smart, especially when we got involved in it because it was relatively new. Then it wasn't really a thing that you could just build a career on, um, Mm -hmm. easily. And now, now it's much more, uh, widespread and everyone knows about it. And in my experience, when you grow up as a smart gift person in like the gifted classes and whatnot, you get a lot of praise for that. And you, start to put a lot of stock in your own mental capabilities. And I think that is only borne out more when you can then hold the powers of a God and make the computer do what you told it to do. Right. Um, and it, it just builds up an ego. And then I think the other part of it is again, especially for the, the folks in the sort of the older generation of software developers like you and I, there wasn't people to check us because we were, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned being the, the lone computer person. That is a very, very common position to be in. I have been in that position or close enough uh, multiple times in my life. And it happens. And then people are like, oh, you did this thing. It's amazing. I don't know how to, I would never know how to do that. Yeah, you would. Go, you can read a book and you can figure yes. it out. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, that stokes the ego. And then your ego becomes built on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, that's but my it theory. doesn't seem it's not a healthy it's not it's not a healthy thing to 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 keep doing and, and sure I think not. having the team exactly. uh, humbles you in a proper way and helps keep you in check but also helps balance the places where you struggle so I, I, I kind yeah. of when I was thinking about teams I see sort of three main aspects of it and I guess it's really two main aspects and one of them has a uh, uh, two two sub clauses to it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh boy, we're getting to contractual language. Got yep. it. Uh, okay. So party the first, uh, believes mm-hmm. that. No. Um, so I think in a team, in most teams, not all, uh, but most teams that I've worked on, people tend to have sort of a, a role that they fulfill. Um, that might be because mm-hmm. they have a particular skill set. It might be because they, worked on a particular part of the software for a long time, they have that institutional knowledge or that they um, find it interesting. So they're able to work on it easier. Uh, And you obviously, you know, as a team, you're given tasks like go do this thing, build this piece of software. And often what I've seen is that we, the teams will naturally gravitate towards the different uh, parts of that software that need to happen. Um, but then there's usually some pieces that no one covers naturally. And then that's where some of the other roles on the team come in, like the lead. Uh, and 
Um, you might have like a rock star super programmer who's great at everything. And so you throw them at the really hard problem um, and maybe you have a more junior generalist software engineer and the lead could say, hey, we have this piece. We know we know the scope of what it needs to do. Go work on that. And then it needs to slot into the overall thing. You get architects, you get testers, you get all sorts of stuff. And that's true on any team. A sports team has, you know, like take baseball. You've got your pitcher, your catcher, you've got your star hitters, outfielders, other things. But you also have like, you also have your coaches and, and general managers and all those things. And, and it and applies to improv too. And it, so my team that I worked with uh, this weekend, uh, we've been practicing together for like six months. It's five of us. And two of us have a very strong background in running a show for like many years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but we have very, very different strengths. He is much more of an actor. Like he has an acting background and he has a very good artistic vision. I don't necessarily have that kind of thing, but I have a very, anal- I'm a very analytical person. And so I, took improv apart basically and like read a bunch of books and like studied theory so that I could get really good at, at playing individual games and like piecing things together and seeing how they'd slot together. And then I just had the experience of six years of running a show by myself uh, uh, with mm-hmm. a team of, of people who I was trying to make better. So between the two of us, we found this really cool synergy where he had this cool show idea and he had the people and he's able to kind of like coordinate and I'll do all those things that I would find very difficult. And I would come in and like, okay, we want to work on character stuff. So here's what I think. Here's some exercises that I have and here I'll run these. And these are some games that work. And then, and we were able to work together. And then the individual people on the, on the team had really great things. You know, he and I were maybe the most experienced, but we had, uh, another guy who had a uh, very different experience than anyone else on the team. And we had two, two ladies who both brought very different uh, types of personalities. One was very character driven and one uh, is just a great stage presence as well. Uh, but like all of us brought different things to the table. And then together we formed this like really it, the, the, the sum was greater than the parts or however that expression is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that <laughs> right. can absolutely be true in software world as well. Software world. Wow, I'm thinking of like an old 90s video. Software world. So this is the one with the two clauses, right? I I think there's your general role on the team, and then your more like tactical, like in the moment, I'm working on this thing role. And that's that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the other part I want to talk about. But what were you going to say? Yeah, no, I th- I think there is something when you talk about like the the sum is greater than the parts kind of thing. I think about. I think we had this discussion before about. Um, like essentially, like who was the best beetle? Oh yeah. And which, which beetles oh. could you lose? <laughs> right. Which beetle could you lose, and yet it could still be the beetles? None of them. And I think there's. It's definitely arguable that certain beetles uh, um, contributed more and were more a, bu- a larger part of the whole. But I still maintain that like the beetles is the synergy of the four of them, even yeah. if you know. Ringo's songs were never the best songs, but like, you know, he was the guy like I, I, I love Ringo in the way that he's just like, yeah, w- w- whatever you guys want to do, I'm here. Just, you know, t- tell me what the, 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 the tempo is and what the time signature is and let's go. You know, have you ever listened to Dave like, Grohl talk about Ringo? No, you should. There's an interview out there. You should listen to it. But he and many drummers out there consider Ringo like 
a really good drummer, like one of the best mm-hmm. drummers in the world, because he could do whatever they needed, right? Um, and he has, right. a, I, I don't have music theory at all in my, that's, that, that is not a skill set I have. You're the person who brings that <laughs> to this team, Mike. Uh, but he, has, he, had, he had a really interesting thing to say about that. Um, you should check that out. Sometime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely like the uh, you know the Swiss Army knife or the or the pocket knife of that of that group. He's just he's like, also like he's like the rock. Like everything's he's the foundation. He's the everything's rock. built on that. If you don't have a solid drummer, you don't have a band. Uh, yeah, especially back then. Um, and then you right. got you know you got your lyricists, you got your great singers, you got your amazing guitar players, and how all that stuff works. And then it's just how they play together, right? How all that stuff meshes together, the synergy, like you said, is where is where the magic comes out. It is the magic, and it's worth that saying, the, the sum bigger than its parts, because it's like each one of them individually have these strengths, and they can you can see them, because they all did solo careers, so you were able to kind of see, okay, who are these people by themselves, and no matter how good they may have been by themselves— the you know six the seven or eight years that they were together and made Beatles albums were like you know just just miles above that and how do you quantify that that synergy you know it just you 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 know it you can observe it but you it's very hard to describe why them together made this thing and you know that that's how teams often are yeah I, I think so as well. Uh, and it, it's hard to build a good team. This is true in all the places that I mentioned already: sports, improv, bands, and uh, software. T- TV show, and, and and like TV shows, like you know, like like a sitcom, like Friends. Oh like, yeah. You know how how do you build the six of those people together and make this insanely popular magical thing? If you would have grabbed a different person, it would have fallen flat. And how, how do you, how do you do that again? Who knows? Yeah. There's know? a UK version, uh, or there's a UK show called coupling, uh, that mm-hmm. a lot of people consider to be like, it came out roughly the same time. Maybe I think it was a little bit before friends, but it had a very similar kind of like, here's this group of friends that all come together and they have this weird relationships between all of them. Um, and in mm-hmm. their fourth season, I think they replaced one of those members and that season just does not click. It's good. It's still funny, but it doesn't work because it's missing that chemistry. And the chemistry is so important to a good team. Since you've worked on teams most of your career, like, can you think of an instance where something like that happened uh, with you? In software world? That's a good question. Uh, I've, had, I've had some really amazing teams. Um, yeah. uh, there was a team I led that I really, I think really worked well. Uh, it it kind of got cobbled together um, during a reorg, uh, and I, I think I I was able to retain certain people that knew things, and I picked up people that I didn't necessarily know, and I like asked for someone and got them, and then I as a lead try to f- I try to know what everyone's strengths are and what they like to work on because I personally have found certainly for myself if I'm working on something I like I do a better job at it, just and I think that's human nature. Right. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I talked to everyone about it and I'm like, what do you want to work on? What do you, where do you want your career to go? Blah, blah, blah. Which is very managery type stuff. Um, but then I also would try to check my ego and not assume I was the best at everything just because I happened to have the title technical lead. Um, so then I, I had this team that I felt like, yeah, it, there was a, there was a, a time in that job where it just felt like everything worked. We had, uh, my my friend Liz, I, I sort of nicknamed her the chief morale officer on the team because she's 
She's got this amazingly great personality. And she's, I mean, she's, all of them excellent software developers. I've, I've, I'm going to talk about the uh, the soft skills, I guess, for a lot of them. Um, but, but she very much like me, she's neurodivergent. And so she would need to like, she she worked best if she was doing something that someone else needed and there was like an urgency to it. Like that's hmm. the way her brain worked. But then she also brought this amazing, like uh, she brought the team together in a way that I couldn't by myself um, ever. And then I had, uh, uh, I'm really bad at, taking other people's software and like learning the API and like spinning it up and I can do it. I hate it. It's, it's, it's boring to me. I want to write the software. I want to build the software. I don't want to, I don't want to use someone else's. I had a guy on the team Mm -hmm. who was, I went to college with him. Uh, great guy. He'd worked with me in the earlier incarnation of that team when someone else led it, who we also went to college with. Um, but he was great at that kind of stuff and just about anything I could throw at him. He was great at, but he, he could solve the problems in those spaces excellently. I had uh, another guy who was just a really, really, he, he was that like reliable. I can give him anything. He'll go get it done, but not necessarily. He wasn't mm-hmm. like a rock star. Part. He's not going to go out there and like invent a new algorithm or anything like he's, but he's, he's reliable. Right. And like, it just, it clicked. And there was a couple other people on the team. I'm going to s- stop describing everyone on the team, but it worked. And then as that team shifted and we got new people and other people left, you know, it, it never, you know, we lost that magic at some point in time because the chemistry fell apart. Oh, and then the stuff I worked on was the stuff I was most interested in that also wouldn't uh, step on what other people were really interested in. So I, I picked up a, a lot of the iOS development at that time because I happened to have a little bit of background from things I already talked about. <laughs> you, you know, the, the not stepping on other people's... Uh stuff is definitely reminds me of the way that I work with my team. Uh, because you know, when, when we do, uh, look at each other's code, like to, to solve a problem or even just to learn, honestly, like, you know, uh, we try to have, uh, that cross knowledge of like, even if somebody else built something primarily, you know, at least one other person should sort of understand roughly how it works in case they're out so that they can troubleshoot it. Um, which means you look at other people's code and, you know, my coworkers, uh, code, uh, stylistically different than me. They might think about solving the problem differently than I would. And what I do when I'm going through their code, <laughs> I try like, you know, even though everything's in, um, uh, you know, a Git repo. So you can always go back if you make a change that you don't, that you want to undo. I still, tend to just comment out what they put in there and then put my thing next to it so that I, so that it's, it's known that I made the change and that I didn't try to like change their style to my style. Even if I look at their style, I'm like, I definitely wouldn't have put the brace on the second line. I would put it on the same line, but you know what? This is not my code, even though we're a team and we're all working on the stuff together. It's not something that I wrote. And so I'm going to, I'm going to I'm going to step lightly and not try to squash someone else's thing because you know I look at it and it like it triggers the stylistic thing in my head I'm like ah that's not how I would do it but that doesn't mean that I have the right to to squash what they did because that's not how they might think you know code reviews and whatnot I think is actually a place where where that like tactical piece really comes together right like I might be <laughs> the lead of a team and or like and this person might be like a uh, very senior experienced developer. And then I have a junior person over there, but maybe I'm really good at 
uh, object-oriented programming, right? That that's mm-hmm. my brain naturally works that way, and I can see how the classes might make more sense in a different way. Uh, so when I look at code, I tend to look at it through the lens of of my area of expertise. Like I'm looking for the same, you know, I'm looking for the divide by zeros or whatever. <laughs> if it falls into an area where I feel particularly strong, I will focus on that. And then I will make suggestions. Mm. This is not you need, like you were saying like code style, like it's not your code won't work. Do this other thing. It was, I think it might work better in this way. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, and you might have a, your very experienced engineer might come in read that same code and go, this is way over-engineered. You don't actually need all this. You should probably pare it down. Uh, you shouldn't even be doing object-oriented programming. Go do functional, right? right? Like you can have completely different <laughs> opinions. And then like that discussion that would come out of that is where things get really uh, useful and interesting. Do, do you, because uh, I noticed that you kind of used two different ways to approach telling someone else about a change in their code that you think they should do. Uh, you, you first said, like, I think that you should blah, whereas the next one was, like, you should do this. Do you find that that difference comes up a lot and is important to, like, the, the I statement is more important than the you statement and tends to have a better, lands better or whatever? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that comes out of my, of years of of leading teams. Like, I, and and mm-hmm. knowing how I, I hate when people tell me what to do. Ask me to do something, right. suggest something probably going to do it tell me to do it i it it's an uphill battle even if they're right even if they're right right, it just doesn't land and most people if you challenge if you tell them that they are wrong will push back Mm. right they you just immediately get defensive (laughs) welcome to to the internet discourse (laughs) you you have to force yourself to accept that you could be wrong um and yeah a lot of times you have to convince somebody that your idea was their idea. I'm not good at that, but I, I try to be like, this works. And I do this in improv. I used to do this in improv all the time. Uh, the, there's an expression um, that, I, that I've heard a lot. That the, you shouldn't. I immediately said the word. <laughs> there is no should in improv. Like when you're giving notes yeah. at the end of a scene. You're like, you know what you should have done there? Is like, mm. it's not helpful. Um, yeah. What I would do, though is if they were asking for advice or if I was giving notes because it was a newer player or whatever, I would say, I liked that choice that you made. It was really interesting. Um, and it played well. I would have probably gone this way, uh, with it, which doesn't mean that's the way to do it. It's like my brain would have gone this completely other direction. And that's more, here is this brighter view, this broader viewpoint. Maybe they can learn from that. Maybe I can learn Mm -hmm. from them. I usually do. Uh, that's where I really like having junior people on any team uh, because they're they're going to have the fresh eyes looking at a problem. And that's such a valuable thing that it gets overlooked uh, all the time. You need people with your soft skills. You need people with fresh ideas. You need people with experience. You need someone who's going to tie all that stuff together and set a vision. Like all those things are very, very important to have on any team. I feel like this uh, dovetails nicely into the other thing that you said you um, that you talked to me about this, which is trust. Yes. And how important is trust 
between you and your teammates? And wh- what does that even mean to trust your teammates? Yeah. So I, I think I said before, I got, I, I think I was telling you before, I very unusually for me got a ton of compliments after this show. Like usually I am the, I'm a very support, like I just try to support everyone else and like make sure mm-hmm. that they succeed. And then the show is good and I'm happy, right? That that's my role in general in life uh, on most teams of any sort. I just, I like to do what needs to be done and make mm-hmm. things more efficient and maybe just like tweak things here or there. This team was just the five of us and we'd been working together for a while. And I knew any crazy idea I threw out there, anything I did, I could trust them to run with that and that it wouldn't just be like, I didn't, I wasn't worried about being judged by them. I wasn't worried that I'd throw out an idea and it would just halt the show. Like none of that. Um, And so it's super important in a space like that uh, where you're trying to be creative, but you also need that creativity in software development, right? You software development is a very um, it's, it's an art and a science, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right? And that's actually true because there you can get a BA in computer science or you can get a BS in computer science. I got the BS because I'm a good BSer. Um, <laughs> not actually, I'm a terrible liar. <laughs> Couldn't even get through or that lie you? right there. I don't know. It. I'm confused now, so I think Who you're doing knows? Right. Um, So <laughs> trust is super important there, right? Especially if you're working, if you're all working on the same piece of software, um, but different parts of it. Like I might, like maybe I'm going to build the maybe you're going to go build the front end, right? And I'm going to go build the back end. And um and then there's like a client piece that you're going to use but it's going to talk to my stuff. And then there's a database guy, right? All those things together have to work. And you have to trust that your teammates are going to do what they said they're going to do. <laughs> uh mm-hmm. in the time that they're going to do it. That's that's huge, right? Cuz the team as a whole succeeds or fails. If if we're building a product and I don't do my job, that product does not go out the door because it doesn't work uh, mm-hmm. if any one of those critical components isn't there. So trust is huge there just from like the from the team existing perspective. But then also, like I need to know that if I put together an API that my teammate's going to use, they need to know that that API is going to work. <laughs> it's not going to screw up their stuff. That it's going to return what I said it's going to so that they don't have mm-hmm. to add in a million checks and balances to every single, you know, you can do a lot of error checking um, and you should, but the more you can trust the source of where something's coming from, the less uh, painful <laughs> writing software is. And then I think, especially if you're um, brainstorming ideas, that's, that's where trust to me is huge. I have to trust that my team knows that I am a smart and capable person so that I can ask for help, uh, like I was talking about earlier. But I also need that so that when we're in a uh, like a brainstorming session, I can throw out a stupid idea <laughs> um, and not worry that I'm going to be judged. Because a lot of times good ideas come from stupid ideas. <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> I, lo- I see what you're saying there. Like if we could just figure out how to do that, that what you said is is objectively impossible but I like the <laughs> intent, and but what we could do, right? And then that's where you use that yes and uh, technique that I talked about in the last time we talked about improv here. Yeah. Uh, the No, I mean, I think you're totally right about the trust thing. And I'm curious, like, it, I mean, is it super obvious when there isn't trust in a team? Or is it something that can be, that can kind of hide in the background for a while before you notice it at the 
you know, when it's too late or something. I think when you're on the team, it's super obvious that mm-hmm. you don't have trust. I think it's more obvious when you don't have that trust base than when you do, uh, when you're on the team. Um, because what I have seen is when there's no trust, the team just doesn't work. There's a lot of second guessing. I worked with some folks. I wasn't on this team, but I worked with this team very closely. Um, and there was a person on the team that no one trusted who happened to have uh, a lot of sway on the team because they were in charge of it. <laughs> um, hmm. Anytime he told them to do something, it was second guessed behind his back, mm. sometimes to his face. But there were people go around and then that the delay was just huge to get any to get that team to do anything was painful because there was no trust they they could never develop that chemistry they could never get that synergy to work and the team just sucked right and full of great people like everyone on that team was super smart even the person who was problematic smart guy um but just like the personalities didn't work and so the trust wasn't there and then it's just butting heads and second guessing and that even happened with with the role I had at that team where I was the architect and the people who didn't know me well and didn't have that trust I, I, what I want to happen is I say here's what I think we should do you know I thought about this a lot and here's the grand vision um, and then they say yes Matt that is a good thing to do we will do that now <laughs> in, and then I don't have to worry that they're going to do it. Right. But instead, what would happen is they would come in, they would hear what I said, and there'd be people be like, mm, I'm that guy. I don't know if he knows what he's talking about. Let's do it a different right. way than what he said. But I had needed them to do this that way so that this other group that they don't talk to who's using it will have, right? So, like, I'm weighing all these trade offs and trying to balance things together as the lead architect. And if I couldn't trust teams, and there were teams I couldn't trust, it made my job really difficult to the point where it was almost uh, like it was almost impossible to do sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, you know, we're talking about software development here and, and improv teams, but I mean, this seems like a pretty foundational uh, quality that you want to engender in all of your relationships throughout all life. I mean, you know, just like your partner or your friends or your parents, like if, you know, if, if there's no trust then everything takes longer or doesn't work at all, and society collapses. Uh, I mean, we, we, you know, not not to get too uh, outlandish in this claim, but but I, you know, I mean, society itself like depends on some level of trust that, like, you know, I'm, you know, I can walk outside my house and. You know, uh, it's pretty low risk, and I I can trust the other people who are walking around outside not to, you know, murder me. I mean, in fact, that's why we have laws, right? It's because we can't trust everybody. (laughs) So we had to to establish, like, the bigger a society gets, the more laws you have to put in place. And this is true in software as well. The bigger a team gets, the more process that gets put in place. Why? Because you can't trust everyone. That's a good, yeah, you got to have workflows and standards. Otherwise, people, yeah, yeah, try to... And people will fight against that, but it's necessary to build that trust. A lot of the tools that I'm building in my current job, because I write internal tools for other software developers, is all about trying to, like, build up a level of trust. Like, it's it's providing uh, safety checks, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Like, as part of the CI system, as an example. Um, Putting safety checks in there. So if you do make a mistake, it's caught early and you don't screw everybody else up. Mm -hmm. Builds trust of the team. Now you have trust in this tool. 
when the tool doesn't work properly and people lose confidence in it, they will lose confidence in a lot more than that because it'll start to degrade. Mm. You need to be able to rely on things in order to succeed. Right. You were talking about that one person on your team that was just very reliable and you could say you could give them a task and you you could um, rely on them doing it. And it seems like, you know, you could be the biggest rock star in the world and very smart and able to do crazy things. But if you're unreliable, it, it's hard for that to matter because yep. you don't trust them to do because, you know, maybe every other time you'd ask them to do a task, they blow it out of the water and it's amazing. But the other 50% of the time, they don't even get back to you and show up late and don't do what you ask them to. And so, like, is it even worth having that level of um, ability if you are not reliable? Because because tr- I feel like I feel like trust is like one of the it's huge, if not the most important things. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I worked with someone at a, at a previous job who was is a good friend of mine, a great software developer. But he didn't have trust in his managers that like he, he didn't trust up. So he was afraid. Mm. And then when you don't have trust, you have you have fear. <laughs> and when you have fear, you make you make some bad choices. Uh, so in particular, I remember one incident where he was like, yes, I will have this thing done by this date. And he kept telling us that. And I'm like, OK, but I can see the code. Because we have a, a repository and I can see that you don't have anything there. Like, do you need help? Like, no, 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 I got it. Because he was afraid because he didn't have that trust in his boss. Right. Uh. And if you don't have that. And so that trust, it, it has to, you as a manager, you need to have trust in your team. As a teammate, you need to have trust in your manager. I need to know that my manager has my back so that I can take risks. I can make decisions like taking risks is important. You can't take a risk if you don't have trust in something. Yeah. Man, I was not expecting this uh, topic to get this deep, but I feel like we're 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 hitting at like a nerve of of civilization here, uh, not just software development. So, trust, yeah, it's it's, it's important. I, I mean, you know, to 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 bring it around to a more software development developmenty thing. Even when you're not working on a team, you know, the apps you use on your computer or your phone, you, 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 everybody trusts them a certain level and you need that trust, uh, that they're not selling your data or they're not spying on you. And that trust, I think over the last like decade has been tarnished a lot. And I think a lot of the trust had a big security breach. That's a problem, right? Yeah. And so, so, so I guess my question is like, like you can't a hundred percent, count on the trust that something or someone is not going to betray you. So then I guess it really just comes down to risk management. You know, we all mm-hmm. manage risk every day and we're like, we're willing to put up with a little risk of trust being broken because otherwise nobody would ever do anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If I didn't but, have trust, I would do everything myself. And right. That is not tenable. Right? It's not scalable. It doesn't work. Um, but it is, where a lot of the really smart developers start at, and it's you have to grow from that. It's like, I know if I do it, it'll be done right. Right, but also then you have stuff like modern web development where you have your NPM node modules directory full of hundreds of thousands of files, and there's no way I'm going to write all those things. And there's also, it's not efficient for me to write all those things, but it also requires an implicit level of trust 
that I can download all those things on my local computer and and execute them, and that they're not going to, you know, steal my my but finances do what they and, said that and they, freeze they, my Yeah, they'll do what they said they did, and they won't corrupt your system. Right. And thus far, okay, but there's definitely been instances where people have tried to exploit that trust oh, and sure. yeah. put rogue modules in NPM, and that's like the level of risk management that we all just, well... We got. We can't write it all ourselves, so we gotta. We gotta roll with the bad eggs every once in a while. But uh, it's it's a battle there, every day. There's a phishing attempt that's been going on against my email for the last couple of weeks, uh, where someone yeah. thinks I really, really trust Hulu. Uh, <laughs> um, and <laughs> Hulu hoops, man. I'm smart enough to actually check the the email address that things are coming from. Um, mm-hmm. But if I wasn't, it looks legit. You know, yeah. I'm doing a trust but verify. I don't trust email because I know that people out there are are scammers, right? But I get at least yeah. one email a day saying that my Hulu account is going to expire and I better do something about it right. from a random, always changing email address. Well, and, can... and they're exploiting that fear that you were talking about because yeah. cause, cause tech has is wildly complicated and we don't all understand every piece. And so that breeds fear. That, you know, because we don't have that trust with these entities that we just kind of use and don't know personally. You know, they're not like we're all on this huge nine billion person team on Earth. But, you know, I wouldn't say I trust most of those billions of people necessarily. (laughs) I mean, you know, fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate and hate leads to suffering. And we all know that's how you get to the dark side. So, Mm. yes, I quoted the prequels. That's right. I just (laughs) did that. Yeah, you should you should be ashamed of yourself. Um, so just to wrap this up, like if you don't have the trust in your team, uh, or you're just starting off, you don't know these people. Like, what is the best way you can do to to build that trust with a team that you're working on? Or with? well, I think it's sort of you gotta you gotta build their trust in you, and then you have to build trust in them. So right, so it's it's two way street. Uh, mm-hmm. The best way I've found to demonstrate that I am trustworthy is to be reliable and trustworthy. Mm-hmm. I am honest, possibly to a fault. Um, <laughs> and I will tell people like, Hey, I said this was going to get done by Friday, but I ran into some problems and now it's going to be another week. Right. Like I, I don't lie. Why? What? Yeah. Who does that help? Right. <laughs> and uh, I think the other way is uh, working. I hate pair programming. It's not for me. I don't like it. I can't, I can't work with another person wa- watching over my shoulder. Just not who I am. Mm-hmm. But that is actually a really good technique for building a bond and trust with somebody because you, especially if you do like the more traditional pair programming that I actually am comfortable with, where like one person goes off and writes the tests and the other or the interface and the other person writes the implementation or how, you know, whatever dynamic that is, that requires a great deal of trust. And so you just sort of assume trust and act like there's trust. And if it doesn't get broken... It builds, yeah. Trust, trust, but verify is huge. Yeah. Um, and the more you do that, the less you have to verify and the more you can trust. Hmm. All right. Uh, that was a very interesting conversation. It went places I was not expecting. And uh, I mean, any any conversation that starts surface level and ends up uh, potentially upending society as we know it, I mean, that's a good discussion, right? Yeah, that's, that's my favorite kind of discussion. That is <laughs> uh, big talk. <laughs> big talk, yeah. No small talk on hacking the Grepson. Only big talk. Maybe sometimes medium talk, but definitely no small talk. <laughs> but seriously, how's the weather lately? 
over in your neck of the woods. I live just down the street from you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty much the same. Okay, good. Well, I believe that wraps up our episode today about teams and teammates and teamwork and team. And, and I mean, we didn't specifically talk about like cuts of meat, but I think, I think you got the gist. Um, if you would like to hear more meaty discussions like this uh, on the internet, uh, as Matt shakes his head, uh, you can go to hackingthegrepson.com where those things exist on a server somewhere. Uh, and until our next episode, we now return you to your regularly scheduled lives already in progress. 